And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy, they're going to get accountability, they're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 239 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, uh, first off, what did Carrie Crowley do to this place? It's a mess. Uh, <laughs> second of all, 239 double plays in his career for Willie Mays. So even the great Willie Mays could hit into the, uh, the old double play 239 times. The same number of double plays A.J. Brzezinski hit into in 2004 (laughs) by himself. Uh, Nice to have you back. Nice to have you back. We did enjoy Mr. Crowley, friend of the program. He's welcome anytime. Uh, But I'm glad that you're back to give us those Easter eggs and to start us off again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Willie Mays uh, famously traded uh, to the Mets, maybe a little bit past his prime. Uh, he's like the Justin Verlander of outfielders in a way, except the Giants don't have Justin Verlander. They have, uh, let me check the notes, A.J. Pollock, which we all saw coming. A.J. Pollock. Right. All right. I have thoughts on this deadline. Why don't you give me some of your thoughts? I'll share some of my thoughts. Uh, I think we sh- I think we have or we're coming at it from a similar angle, but I, w- I want to hear you go. So, first of all, do you remember the old Johnny Cash song, One Piece at a Time? Have you ever heard that one? Ah, boy, I am a, a cash head, but I don't think I know that one. Well, it's, it's, it basically, he works in an auto uh, assembly factory, and he steals a car one piece at a time. <laughs> and it didn't cost him a dime. You'll know it's me when I roll through your town. I, I feel like that the, the Giants are are becoming the 2019 Dodgers, one piece at a time. And they couldn't get Cody Bellinger, wah-wah, uh, the Cubs didn't <laughs> trade him, but they got A.J. Pollock. So, and and uh, I, I did make a mistake in my story, actually. I said that uh, Farhan Zaidi knew A.J. Pollock from their time together with the Dodgers. I just think of that as being a swath of, of just you know huge time. But but actually, A.J. Pollock uh, joined the Dodgers in 2019 when, when Farhan Zaidi joined uh, the Giants. So they did not have any overlap there. But we know that Farhan Zaidi's been a... A.J. Pollock fan for a long time. They tried to sign him this past offseason. Um, obviously, the numbers do not make a compelling case at all that he's going to be uh, a helpful addition. But, I mean, I would say I would think of him as the Scott Casimir of outfielders. I would think of him as the um, the Scooter Jeanette of outfielders. If it doesn't work out, he ain't going to be on this team in two weeks, right? I mean, they're going to get some pieces back. They're going to get Mitch Hanniger back uh, maybe closer to the beginning of the month. They feel um, they're going to get Tyro Estrada back in a matter of days. So anybody that they added, I think, at this trade deadline had to be measurably better than the players they thought they were going to get back or the contributions they were going to get from the people here. And 
I, those players just didn't exist. They didn't exist. And as I wrote, you know, I think it's good for the sport that the trade deadline was boring. Bad for us, bad for our business, bad for eyeballs and content creation. But it's good that the Cubs are going for it. It's good that the Angels are going for it. It's maybe not so good that the A's and, and Royals are so bad that they didn't have anybody uh, that they could possibly move. But that all of that tied together to make for not a lot of compelling players being being moved at the trade deadline. And really, I think the biggest impact that all of the trade deadline trades had uh, on the National League playoff picture, both the division races and wildcard races, is probably the fact that the Mets traded so much off their roster and they still have seven games left with the Marlins, six with the Phillies. That's probably the biggest impact Mm -hmm. uh, because when you look at, you know, who leveled up in the NL West? Well, the Dodgers added Lance Lynn, a couple other pieces. You know, the, the Diamondbacks added Paul Sewold. He's a, a good reliever. But, um, and Tommy Pham, obviously. But there, there were no Juan Soto's dealt. There were no, you know, huge difference-making players. And and honestly, I think it, it worked out well for the Giants. I, I don't think they really moved backward very much by standing still. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't disagree with, with much of that. It, how about this comp? A.J. Pollock is the Dan Ugla, and that's going to mean that Elliot Ramos is is Joe Panic, and he's going to be the postseason hero by gum. Um, but no, I just I agree with with a lot of what you're saying. I did not look at a lot of trades and say, ah, the Giants should have done that. There just weren't a lot. I uh, Lucas Giolito comes to mind. Jordan Montgomery comes to mind. Uh, Jack Flaherty. Those are the three pitchers where the return, you know, the Angels did give up some decent prospects uh, for Giolito. I think the Cardinals didn't get a ton for uh, uh, Montgomery and Flaherty. But those three pitchers, uh, I think, were the ones that made me go, okay, the Giants could have been in on that perhaps. But I I wanted no piece of what uh, the Astros gave up for Justin Verlander. Uh, the Rangers are better with Max Scherzer, but I'm wondering how he's going to be in October. And it cost them a pretty darn good prospect. So I'm not looking around and saying, oh, man, where were the Giants on that? It, it just wasn't there. They had the prospects to get a Juan Soto this year. They had the prospects to get Shohei Otani if the Angels decided to sell. They had the prospects to get Dylan Cease or Mitch Keller if they moved. Uh, they didn't have the prospects that were worth someone like a 40-year-old Justin Verlander or uh, Lucas Giolito. They, they were in that middle, and I just didn't see the fit. There wasn't a great infield fit. I mean, uh, Candelario was an imperfect fit. He was almost like a replicating Wilmer Flores and J.D. Davis. I just didn't see a lot of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And I get the Giants fans aren't going to want to hear that, but I, I'm not looking at trades and going, where were the Giants on that? Yeah, I, I, I would target the same guy that you targeted, and that's Jordan Montgomery. He's the one guy that I think really could have helped uh, as a guy you could use as a conventional starter. Uh, and, and and to get him, the Texas Rangers gave up their, I think, their 14th and, and 17th, or uh, maybe 11th and 14th best prospects and a, and a reliever with a good ground ball rate that's shuttled up and down between AAA and the major leagues most of the season. So, um, you know, when you look at what the sort of, I guess, parallel cost would be, for a player like that, I, you could argue that uh, the Giants should have been in on on that kind of a deal. But I I think that's like the only one that that I really see that mm. uh, that really could have measurably helped them. And you know they they've got a little bit of a roster issue with the pitchers that they have because you know uh, Sean Manaya, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling, you know, these guys that have been used in these swingman sort of bulk feature wherever you want to call them tandem roles. They, none of them can be sent out, and soon Tristan Beck is going to join them because uh, they can only option him one more time. Uh, you can only option a guy, uh, um, you know, 
a set number of times before um, you'd have to put them on waivers. So, um, you know, they don't have a lot of flexibility. If they add somebody uh, like a Jordan Montgomery, who they also couldn't send out, then, you know, they'd have to eventually give up on another piece. And so any addition they make would have been incremental. And um, I just don't think they saw uh, anything that made sense. Um, And their schedule is going to be really tough coming up. And it's going to be, I think, up to... Brandon Crawford to play better and Mike Yastrzemski to get healthy and J.D. Davis to start parking him again and Lamont Wade Jr. to get healthy and start being productive again. I mean, you know, they, they're they banking a lot on an offense that was 30th in the major leagues in July and runs scored. Um, and, and a lot of it is banking on getting healthier, which, you know, from an actuarial standpoint, you, you and I know this very well. You see it every year that, you know, one guy gets healthy, but then another guy starts leaking oil and, and that's just how it how it goes. So, um, I think they know they weren't one player away. This roster is not, you know, one player away, but, you know, they're a collaborative depth-based roster. So I think that there was only so much you could do to improve it. They were 30th in runs scored in July? Yeah, they were. Um, that, that high? In fact, it's kind of funny. Yeah, right? Can you believe it? Uh, um the Frisco Rough Riders uh, weren't quite there, uh, but um, yeah, Farhan. Uh, we even uh, I asked him. I asked actually asked him this question. I said, I said, you know, given how much the offense struggled in July, you know, where do you see the improvement coming from? And he said, you never do this in a public setting. You really shouldn't. But he said, <laughs> well, where did we rank in, in runs scored in in July? Ooh. And and Alex Pavlovich, who had just written it and looked up all the numbers, immediately was like. Um, 30th. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good Alex. And he's like, yeah. He said, yeah, I thought I read that somewhere. So yeah, that, that's not good. We're, we're not, we're not going to get where we want to be if we continue to rank 30th in the majors and run scored. So, I mean, you know, there, there is, there is that uh, acknowledgement at least. Yeah. Uh, so here's another take of mine is that if the Giants had acquired Sean Manaya and or Ross Stripling at the deadline, if they had these seasons on other teams, I would have written an article saying, here's why this is good. Here's how the Giants can use this. Here's the, here are the positive indicators that go beyond the ERA, go beyond this. Uh, here's why I think they can help the Giants going forward. The Giants didn't trade for them, but they seem to have a little bit of confidence in both of them, as well as Tristan Beck. And I don't mind that at all. I think that that makes sense, especially with Manaya. Uh, he's been trending upward for a long time. His uh, his FIP is is better than his ERA, and he looks like he, a guy who's pitching to his FIP. Uh, Stripling has been fine. Uh, Tristan Beck uh, might be in the in the mix for a little bit uh, more of a of a role. I, I think it's fine that they're relying on these guys rather than saying Jack Flaherty will fix all of this, which is possible. But I don't mind that it's Manaya instead of Jack Flaherty. I don't mind that it's Manaya even over Montgomery. I think that there are reasons to be optimistic about this crew. And I know Giants fans hate hearing that, but it, I, I just it's just how I feel, man. Yeah, no, I, I think the same could be said for Russ Tripling, the way that he's been trending up. You know, obviously he's had a little dingeritis this year, but, um, you know, he's a guy that they acquired to be, um, you know, an important piece on this pitching staff. And he didn't really contribute a whole lot in the first half for a variety of reasons. And 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 really, I thought the newsiest thing to come out of uh, Tuesday, the trade deadline day, was in Farhan Zaidi's availability, 
he said, look, Kyle Harrison is going to go straight from his two-inning rehab start in the Arizona Complex League right back to the rotation in AAA Sacramento, and he may be there for one start or two just to get stretched out a little bit back to his pitch count because they were on the cusp of calling him up. And he also said that when Harrison joins the team, he will be used as a conventional starter. Now, you know, it might be more like a start like what Jacob Junis gave them last time out where he pitched three innings. I don't think he's going to pitch into the sixth or beyond, and they're going to have a tandem guy, you know, ready to back him up. But, you know, that that could really be something that that helps this pitching staff if Kyle Harrison can, you know, overcome some of the re- regression he's had with the strike percentage this year at AAA and, and, and throw and be in the zone a little bit more. He misses bats and he's going to miss big league bats. I think they know this. And uh, so, you know, that's that's another sort of uh, a ripcord that they can pull. And, you know, maybe the missed time will end up being a good thing because he's kept his innings down. And and so he can give you meaningful innings in, in September and, and, and maybe even beyond that. So I think that's a, a reason to be hopeful, too, and maybe could be as impactful as any addition that they would have, have made. I guess if if the question is, are the Giants better after this deadline? I think the answer is no. And I what I'm basing that on is, okay, so you have AJ Pollock on the roster. Who is he replacing? And as of now, he's replacing Marco Luciano. I would take Luciano over uh, Pollock just as far as at-bat quality. I'm not sure about fit in the roster. Uh, if you're not confident that Austin Slater can handle all the center field innings, you, I get why Pollock would, would be a fit there because Slater's been dinged up all year. My biggest concern, though, isn't necessarily Pollock versus Luciano. It's Casey Schmidt versus Luciano. I just, I mean, Casey Schmidt is having a Johnny LaMaster season, and that's not hyperbole. I've I've run the stats on this. He is having a Johnny LaMaster season, and I just don't understand what favors the Giants are doing having him on the roster. At least with Luciano, you can hope that he can run into one uh, when he makes an occasional start. So if you're wondering if the Giants are better since the deadline, I don't think they are. And part of that has to do with the players who are still on the roster. I don't want to be unfair to Casey Schmidt, but I just don't see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel for him right now. Yeah, I, I think I've been surprised they've stuck with him as, as long as they have. Um, obviously, with Tyro Estrada out, they felt they had the need and and they felt his defense would show up every day. But And the at-bat quality has been better. I mean, it he has. had a really nice 10-pitch 10, 10 pitch at-bat the other day, uh, put a ball in play with a runner at third base when he needed to, you know, and got an RBI in a game that, that he needed with that the Giants won. So um, he still, I think, is that was more of a good plate coverage plate appearance than it was a swing decision plate mm-hmm. appearance. But... Um, you know, he's, I think they realize that there's going to be some struggle and some learning in the big leagues. And really what, what this all sets up for is they sent Marco Luciano out so that Luciano can play some second base, uh, mm. which he's never done before. And, and, and when he gets that sort of, uh, arrow in his quiver, then I think he and Casey Schmidt are going to be in direct competition, uh, for, for a job on this roster. And I think they're going to evaluate how Luciano can play second base, uh, and, and evaluate how Schmidt continues to perform when he gets major league opportunities and major league plate appearances. But I think the way this is this is sort of uh, shaping up, it's going to be Tyro Estrada is going to be the second baseman as of you know probably Friday if not before. Uh, Brandon Crawford is back at shortstop for however long he, uh, you know his knee will hold up, and then Casey Schmidt is going to back him up at both positions. But but I think they're going to really look at Schmidt versus Luciano. And there may come a time, um, and maybe soon, 
that they decide that Luciano can play second base. He can have that role in the roster. He can do more for you offensively. Uh, and he'll be the guy who's up and, and Schmidt will be returned to AAA. I think that that is very much um, sort of the way that they're sizing this up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. And that and that's fair. Like, I, I don't want to hate I hate dumping on young players. I mean, I remember how long it took for Matt Williams to get going, for example. So, you know, it's it's uh, prospect development is not linear. If you're looking at uh, August, September, who's going to help the Giants win more baseball games? I haven't seen it from Casey Schmidt just yet. I certainly haven't seen it from A.J. Pollock because all I can see is this baseball reference page. Um, so I'm curious just how this is all going to work out. I agree with you that that Pollock is more on the Scooter Jeanette timeline where, hey, what do you got? Oh, nothing. OK, see ya. Where his sprint speed is still good. It still looks like he has the athleticism that made him a viable outfielder for so long. So I don't I don't mind the deal. It's just as the only return. I don't know. It's just a little underwhelming. And so Giants fans have the right to feel underwhelmed, even if we've gone through all the moves they didn't make that wouldn't have made sense. There's still a sense of ah, really. And I, I don't think yeah, you could shake that. Yeah. I was talking to Ross Stripling a few days before the deadline, and, and he said that, you know, he's been lucky. He's only been on teams that have added uh, in one year. He was one of the players added uh, to the Blue Jays. So you know, he said that there is something in the clubhouse. There is a lift that a team gets when there's an addition brought in. It's a vote of confidence by management to say, hey, we believe in, in you. We're going to bolster you. We're going to give you every chance to see this through. And he said, it doesn't even have to be a big move. It can be a really small move, but it's something. Well, I think the Pollock trade was kind of a micro small move. Um, <laughs> you may need an electron microscope to see that one. So yeah, I don't think that it's really going to have that kind of a buoying impact on the clubhouse, like adding you know maybe three or four new players would. But you know, you, you also talk to some players in that clubhouse and, and honestly, their reaction is, hey, I'm glad we didn't move some of these young guys. I'm glad mm -hmm. we didn't trade Patrick Bailey. I'm glad we didn't trade Casey Schmidt. I'm glad we didn't trade Luis Matos. So um, I, I think it's it's not necessarily a, a team that is, you know, down and out or, or sort of hanging their heads. I mean, you know, they did win a, a really nice, impressive, tight game against the Diamondbacks. Uh, Tuesday night. And so uh, obviously the clubhouse is going to be a happy place afterwards. But I mean, it was really happy. Guys were hanging around. We're, we're talking to Patrick Bailey. He's got a glass of red wine in his hand. And I think, look at you, classy rookie. What do you got in the glass? And he's like, I don't know. It's just red. Um, okay. And, you know, guys are playing cards and hanging around. They're not all just, you know, dressing and showering and getting out of there. Sean Manaya is going around uh, 
um, you know, getting his lineup card signed by everybody on the team after getting his first save, ah, which so good. which you could tell that totally jazzed him up to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, Bailey ending the game with that back pick, which uh, I think was really, really impressive. And I think I saw Sarah Lang's tweet that it was like the, the, the fastest pop time ever to first base in the StatCast era while recording an out. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it really did strike you as a team that that is – having fun and, and is, is up, you know, the guys are coming up to Alex Cobb and saying, dude, you're a total gamer, you know, like not like in a way that they were advertising it, but just, you could tell it was really legitimate. There was a lot of respect that he went out there when he was puking his guts out most of the week and, and the team needed him. And, and he, uh, uh, up, up to really 45 minutes before the first pitch, weren't sure if he was going to start. I'm looking at my binoculars, uh, and I see somebody in the sort of that white, uh, all white uh, City Connect uniform with the hoodie going out there with the spikes on. I'm thinking that doesn't look like Cobb, and he turns around. It's Logan Webb, and I thought, "Oi, what's <laughs> what's going on here?" <laughs> they were going to start Logan Webb on short rest. Um, wow. They were going to have to, uh, which you do not want to do, right? Uh, but um, you know, and and that could be a fodder for all of the criticism. Well, see, this is why it's unsustainable to go with openers and stuff. I mean, you're going to run into back-to-back 11 inning games you're going to be searching for innings no matter how you line them up but but yeah they were I mean it was really uh, people were really I guess sort of patting each other on the back and celebrating each other and and there was uh this this sort of element uh, or or theme of kind of selflessness you know doing doing what you can to help the team and you know when that's kind of forced or when that's kind of um, artificial, and you can see when it's pretty authentic. And it, that seemed as authentic a post-game clubhouse um, talking about unselfishness that, that I can remember in some time. And I, I think that's a good sign because, honestly, those were the vibes that I felt around the team in 2010 uh, when, when they did what no Giants team had done before. So I'm not saying that this team's going to win the World Series, but I th- they're good indicators. They're good indicators. Breaking. Andy Bagley predicts a World Series victory here on the Bags and Brisbane I podcast. Did not say that I did not say that. <laughs> uh, no, JD Davis told KNBR, he says, uh, yeah, if they add someone, that's cool, but it's got to be someone who can keep the vibes going because this is a really tight knit clubhouse. And we've remarked on it before. It, that's how it appears from the outside. That's how it appears from inside the locker room, what you've seen. And there is something to that. And for all of the talk about, oh, you know, the Giants are run by a bunch of quants and they're making these, these micro upgrades on waiver claims based on their internal metrics and spin rates and all these doodads and but they really I really think that they take the personality of the clubhouse into strong consideration and that's not a minor concern I think that that's why you have AJ Pollock in there over some of the other options maybe there were some unknowns that they could have brought in there but they just feel like this is a clubhouse with a vibe a good vibe and that is helping them uh, be a little better than the individual parts. Uh, and I don't think that's a small thing. And yeah, when it was when Patrick Bailey's out there mowing down runners uh, and just being uh, so danged impressive, you can see it on the faces of all the veteran teammates. It you know, it feels like a like a cohesive team. And so you it's not wacky to hope, OK, make, maybe Michael Conforto can get it going. Maybe J.D. Davis can rediscover what he lost. Uh, I do think Brandon Crawford's swings have looked pretty darn good in the last couple games, uh, just not just because he hit a home run, not just because he had results, but uh, even his outs have been a little bit impressive. So there is room for improvement from within. And if you've got that going for you in a good clubhouse, maybe don't mess it up. I know this sounds like excuses, but listen, the Giants are two and a half games behind the Dodgers uh, coming out of the deadline, which is better than we thought they would be. And I think there's a reason for that. 
and Tommy Pham is coming to San Francisco. <laughs> Such restraint that you didn't do it the way I would have done it, which hearing that Tommy Pham is on his way to San Francisco, beat second tweet because right. he's going Did- to, to the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Because and the Diamondbacks happen to be here, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I couldn't resist. I try not to tweet because Twitter is a freaking tire fire these days. But um, but yeah, I, I couldn't. I could not resist. Um, and also, I followed up because I, I did ask. I asked about uh, Tommy Pham last week, and I said, "Look, this may be an obvious question, but you know, is it a complete non-starter that you guys would think about trading for him, given what happened?" Um, because Jack Peterson strikes me as a guy who could almost get over anything, you know, and maybe he'd almost think it was funny that Tommy Pham would be traded to, to the Giants. I don't know. That's maybe not fair. I'm making assumptions, but you know, I, I was thinking mostly of just the avalanche of page views and head, uh, that, that that story would generate. Yeah, just making sure that that didn't have a zero point zero 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 one chance of happening. And I was told very very plainly. We are not going to acquire anybody who has any domestic violence issue in their past. And they absolutely uh, considered um, the slap of Jock Peterson to be an assault. And uh, they thought that fell into enough of the same category that they were not going to consider Tommy Pham at all. And so I tweeted that and then um, got reminded why I'm not really on Twitter much anymore because a bunch of people sort of, uh, you know, did the point and shout, but wait, Larry Bear, which... A little nuanced, people. A little nuanced, right? I mean, you know, we're not talking about slapping people around. It was a physical altercation, you know, wrestling over a cell phone. It was awkward. It was dumb. It was indefensible. Uh, it made Larry look really bad. Um, but um, you know, I think I think there's a difference between how you define altercation and and, and violence, uh, in, in terms of like accosting somebody. So I don't know. I if people see it a different way, that's fine. You know, whatever. But I I think. Uh, you know, there's there's some room for nuance there. Anyway, I, I probably shouldn't even just I should just let that go and not even comment on it further. But I did think it was interesting that the Giants sort of, you know, told me very plainly that they are not going to acquire somebody who's got that in their past. So that is something to file away for the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, it is a, it's unfortunate, but it's you could make a, a list of players uh, who will be available in, in the near future. It's it's definitely information that is worth marking down. I just, yeah, I don't know. I it, Tommy Pham was, it was, I saw someone predict it before the deadline, Tommy Pham to the Giants, and it was an on-paper roster fit. And it's just yet another reminder that the Giants aren't, con- they aren't building a, a baseball mogul or an out-of-the-park baseball team on paper uh, because it would be funny to do that, but also I, the clubhouse is important. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But before we go, I do want to ask you real quick: Why is Wilmer Flores Miguel Cabrera now? Ah, right. Um, it's been so impressive. I mean, he puts a charge in almost every uh, uh, pitch he makes contact with now. It's uh, he's just unconscious. He's having one of those one of those uh, streaks, and, and and thank goodness for the Giants, he is right because mm-hmm. nobody else is. Um, and that's probably the hardest thing is, is to, to, to hit and to be on a hot streak when everybody around you is cold because that's when it's the easiest to press. So, um, yeah, Wilmer has really has really saved them in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I don't know if they, he can continue it, but when they start to get a few, uh, um, you know, a few people hot uh, around him in the lineup, then that, that's that's obviously when they'll uh, they'll start to get past some of their. Um, some of their woes. And that actually reminds me of something that uh, I heard Harry Carey once say 
uh, during a Cubs broadcast. I think he said, hey, when when Mark Grace is hot, Sammy Sosa's cold. And when Sammy's hot, Gracie's cold. Oh, if we could only get the two of them hot together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's baseball for you. All right, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I didn't grow up with Harry Carey. The only time I really sat through a Harry Carey game was when I was doing the research for that, uh, the pace of, of play article that I did a few years ago. And the, the team that I used for, or the game that I used back in the 80s was a Chicago game. And man, oh man, that guy seems like a ride every day. He would have people in the booth and he was like hitting on the ladies and just sort of like making all these wild comments. I feel like that is uh, baseball in its purest form where you just don't know what in the hell is going to happen from one point to the other, whether it's in the booth or on the field. Yeah, I, I don't think that Harry would have translated very well to our modern <laughs> times. And, 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 and honestly, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it is something that we have to wrestle with often, right, with our uh, pop culture figures or, or, or athletes of the past or, or movies of the past or whatever, where there's just more things that are cringy. And yet we <laughs> want to remember the good parts and the funny parts. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, it, it's uh, – it's just sort of the way the way it goes, I guess. There'll be things we're doing now that are definitely not going to age well, you know, 30, 40 years from now, too. So um, I guess that's just uh, that's just living life, man. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, for as a milk toast as I am, I can still go back to the early McCovey Chronicles stuff and go, eh, not great. Oh, man, that I did kind of for forget that that is an actual person I'm talking about. And uh, whoops, that's a little too silly and maybe a little bit unfair. So. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm a I'm a plain piece of uh, uh, white toast with no butter. But at the same time, like even I can do stupid things and I'm doing stupid things right now. Uh, I'm sure you have a list of it in your big black book. You know, my mom just said, be respectful when I would leave the house. And I think that that is timeless, that be respectful to other people. And um, that's not always easy to do on Twitter, uh, especially when you can just fire something off. And I'm guilty of that fairly regularly but uh but it is it is thanks mom thanks for giving me that advice i appreciate it you know and for as much as we like to talk about twitter as the hell site that it is i do feel like i have learned a lot from it uh while it's been descending into flames i still feel like i've learned what punching up and punching down is i've learned uh how to better turn the other cheek when you've got uh someone yammering in the comments and how what the value is of clapping back versus the value of just going okay i just don't need this in my life right now so i don't think that twitter has been completely useless in my life it's just sort of ruined my brain but there's been some benefits too so who's to say if it's good or bad or not yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think back, uh, I, I watch more of the games now than I used to. You know, instead of just seeing what everyone's saying about my last tweet, since I'm mm. not tweeting as often, my mentions are are pretty quiet for the most part. And I would say blissfully so. And I, I do, I watch critically more of the games uh, than I'm used to. And it's tough, you know, when, when, um, when you're in the press box, there's so many distractions and there's so many other people who want to talk to you or, or things going on um, that uh, I, I feel like sometimes if I'm uh, watching the game at home, I, I see more than I see in the press box. So I'm trying really to make uh, a conscious effort to, to be a little more 
uh, I guess, observant about, you know, really what's happening in the game and, and seeing things like 45 minutes before the first pitch, seeing Logan Webb walk out to the, to the uh, bullpen with spikes on, you know, it's like, wait, why, why is that happening? I mean, I, I totally could have missed that very easily if I were just, you know, tweeting away at somebody. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, Twitter is uh, the devil. We can all agree. The Giants trade deadline, a little underwhelming. We can all agree. Uh, Willie Mays is hitting to a lot lot of double plays. That's just simply the record. Uh, Do you think, before we go, real quick, lightning round, do you think that the NL West teams improved that much? Because I will just offer my take. Uh, Not really. I think the Diamondbacks got a pretty good closer, but they gave up a lot for it. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, it's just been dull for the NL West overall. Yeah, if Eduardo Rodriguez had waived his no-trade clause and gone to the Dodgers, then I think you could really point to them, along with Lance Lynn, who I think is going to be good for them and already won his first start as a Dodger. Um, But Eduardo Rodriguez now drinks free in San Francisco because he said no. He denied the Dodgers uh, with his uh, trade uh, uh, protections. And so um, I don't think that he'll ever be a giant. I think he's someone who likes to be on the East Coast. But again, he denied the Dodgers. So free drinks for Eduardo Rodriguez. Giants legend Eduardo Rodriguez in a similar vein. Giants legend Jason Schmidt. Uh, it's all like a part of the uh, the same Venn diagram or something where you've got Jason Schmidt and Eduardo Rodriguez. And, you know, I'll throw Matt Latos in there uh, just because I want to remind the world yet again that his career ERA with the Dodgers was 6.66. That is. Can't happen by chance. Let me, I've got a whole telegram thread on how this uh, uh, all fits together, man. You, you see it. Matt Latos in a 6-6 ERA for the Dodgers. It all fits. I have to say, one thing I'll interject very quickly, because <laughs> Brian Murphy asked me about this on KNBR. He said, it's not always the star players that make an impact for you in September and beyond. And Marco Scudero falls in that category. Cody Ross falls in that category. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so maybe some of these players that were acquired, maybe Tommy Pham will hit the walk-off homer to clinch uh, a division. Maybe. You don't know. But I think th- what the Giants are thinking is it's just as likely that Mitch Hanniger comes back and does that. It's just as likely that Tyro Estrada comes back and does that or that Mikey Stremski does that. Uh, so that's that's kind of where they are. But we'll find out. We will find out who the Cody Ross of this season is. He's going to be somewhere. I mean, if you're going to do a fill-in-the-blank and you've got uh, Cody Ross – Marco Scudero, Jake Peavy, who fits in there? Well, it's AJ Pollock. So I don't know, man. We don't know. Like all these trades are underwhelming at the time. And then all of a sudden you got a Scudero on your hands. All right. This has been episode 239 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back next week and we'll just see how the Giants have done uh, against the Dimebacks. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. See you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.